This speedcast is brought to you by AF1 Racing of Austin, Texas. The best Italian motorcycles and scooters. AF1RacingAustin.com This segment of Speed City is brought to you by TexasTornadoBootCamp.com Okay, Speed City fans. Here with Colin Edwards and we're doing what we usually do, which is sit in airports all day. I know, it's, it's, it gets old every now and then, doesn't it? <laughs> it certainly does, but it gives us a chance to look back on what's been a good weekend of bikes. Um, and it seems like we're chasing Yamahas around the world. Um, and as a guy and an authority on Yamahas, certainly a guy who's both testing them and the new tyres for next year, uh, it seems appropriate to talk to you about what's going on in MotoGP because obviously uh, Catalonia uh, proved once again that Jorge's the man on form. But Valentino's not far behind, and they're now one point adrift going into Assen, which is obviously one of Valentino's great backyards. But um, tell me, first of all, um, why Yamaha have managed to move so far forward, seemingly 14 seconds ahead of Danny Pedrosa, who was third on the Honda? Um, man, I, don't, I mean, I don't know 100%. <laughs> I'm going to make something up here. How about that? Um, the bike is good. We know the bike is good. Um, I mean, I, whenever I go test it, I barely even touch the thing, you know. Uh, and Valentino, he, it's pretty hard to mess with Valentino's head, uh, and he's pretty much got on at the beginning of the year. You know, he won Qatar, and he's uh, he's won, won in Argentina. So uh, he's always on form. I think it took Jorge to finally pull his head out of his helmet. Helmet. <laughs> and, his broken uh, helmet. And decide... That okay, the bike is good. You know, don't yeah. whine, don't moan about it. Let's just get on with the job. He got his head right, so he's won four in a row. Um, and at the same time, I think Honda's—they've got some issues at the moment in the Grand Prix. Um, we don't know exactly what they are. I read a little article. Casey Stoner was talking, and he said he knows what the problem is, but he can't say. So there is something. But by looking at it on track, can you see the nature of the issue? I mean, is it? I mean, obviously. I mean, we'll talk about Marquez in a minute, but I mean, clearly with Danny, who didn't have a bad race, being 14 seconds down, there's got to be something in a, either power or setup that is, is stopping them from. I don't know. I think it's, uh, you know, I don't know. I could speculate all day long on what I think it is. Uh, Pedrosa, I wouldn't use as a good gauge right now just because he's kind of coming back from injury and getting mm. back up to speed. So. You know, you say 14 seconds and maybe half of that, seven seconds if he was fully fit. So I don't really know how to answer that, apart from the fact they have some issues, if it be mechanical or electrical or, or bike setup. Okay, let's take the, the bigger elephant in the room. Mark Marquez, talking of issues, what has happened to the guy that won 10 races in a row last year and is falling left, right, and center. He fell at Mugello, and he fell again at Catalonia in an odd way, in a place where he shouldn't have fallen uh, way too early in the race, but he shouldn't have been making risks, per se. Uh, how's your take on what's going on with, with Mark? You know, I uh, well, we had this conversation with Wayne Rainey last night, and I think, uh, I don't know, I kind of feel like, in a sense, he's like, uh, in the motocross world, like Bubba Stewart, you okay. know? He's super fast. He's the fastest guy on the planet when... Uh, when everything's right, um, but he does. There are some unnecessary or maybe miscalculated risk. <laughs> maybe that's the right term. Um, <clears throat> and if he can keep it on two wheels, it's pretty hard to beat him. He's proved that uh, at the moment. Having maybe riding around some issues uh, and pushing too hard. And man, I mean, you can push that hard occasionally, uh, quite often. But every single corner, every single lap, eventually, it's going to bite you. 
I've got to ask you, though, as we go to Assen with just one point between Jorge and Valentino, both of which are good friends, both of which have been to the boot camp, um, can you see, first of all, obviously if Jorge's on, the, on form and is the younger guy, can you see the sort of miracle season coming for Valentino? Uh, do you think if it com- comes to a head-to-head between those two Yamaha riders uh, that Valet can prevail? Well, I've never bet against Valentino um, just because, you know, like I said, he always has his head right. He's always pushing. But Jorge right now, man, it's pretty hard to to doubt him. He's uh, When you look at him on the bike, he just looks so smooth. He looks like he's not even, it's, it's all, everything's so calculated. Everything looks so in rhythm. Um, I don't know. It's going to be tough. Uh, I would like to see Valentino pull it out. Uh, but it's going to be hard to beat Jorge right now, especially with his with his head being right. And a, a little mention quickly for you, another buddy of yours, Alicia Spargaro, your former teammate. He's obviously doing well, but the Suzuki can do it in one lap, but not necessarily in the whole race. Yeah, and I think you know. Anyway, it's just impressive that they've, you know, that they they have this, some speed at times, um, and that's just a work in progress. You know that uh, I, I look for them to just get faster and faster and more consistent. We, if you would have bet. I would have put a lot of money on the table that they wouldn't have got close to pole this year, you know, with Marquez and, and Lorenz and all those guys he's fighting against. Um, and I think that was two you had Argentina and uh, Catalonia. So that's pretty impressive. And uh, as far as the pace, that'll come eventually. Well, see, deputation Yamahas around the world. Let's turn to Moto America because it's a similar story there. Everybody's chasing those Yamahas of Josh Hayes and Cameron Bobier. Uh, again, Suzuki came close, but not close enough. They were in the running, but not not good enough, if you like, to beat a Yamaha this weekend. And once again, it was one all in terms of race wins for Hayes and Bobier. Um, how do you see now? We're getting into the sort of nitty-gritty business end of this championship. It panning out because it's still pretty close. Um, you know, I don't know. Josh is an old fox, you know, he's a wily (laughs) fox. I think he's going to, you know, we've had this conversation. I think he's going to do just as much as he has to do. Um, Cameron, I think right now, needs to take the the authoritative seat and just go out and dominate. I mean, that's the only way I think he's going to prove to anybody that, um, you know, he's young. He's he's still learning, too, but he he needs to prove to us that, uh, hey, I'm here. I'm a badass, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stamp my authority on this championship. We've got Morgan Freeman here at the airport, too. So we've got a lot of big luminaries here, so you'll hear the announcements. But actually, while we've got this announcement going on, I want to just play you both the interviews we did with both Cameron Bobier and with Josh Hayes. And there's a telling comment by Josh Hayes in his interview about the actual Yamaha. Okay, Speed City fans, uh, just a quick quick uh, word. We can do it. Oh, you go ahead. Quick word from uh, Josh Hayes after a weekend here at Barber. And, um, yeah, <laughs> an up-and-down weekend for you, but and a consistent one for you. Yeah, no, it was a good weekend. I mean, I knew it would be a tough weekend. I know the heat would play a big role in the races and, uh, you know, rode the best that I could. Had a hard race and uh, a couple of races. Uh, race one was pretty ugly. Race two really didn't feel a whole lot better, but, you know, it came down to who was going to make the fewer mistakes and do the right thing on the right lap. And, you know, Cam just played his cards well, and that's the way it goes in racing sometimes. So I'm not disappointed. A 1-2 coming out of here is, uh, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. So how can you be unhappy about it? And I'm still in the championship, and I love a good race. So this should be fun. Miller, good place for you or not? 
Miller has been a good place for me. Uh, the last time we rode there, Cameron put a whooping on me pretty bad, though. So, But he ended up falling down, so I ended up getting the win. So we'll just have to see. It's always been a good racetrack for me. And, uh, yeah, I think it might be a chance where I can maybe turn some things around and actually get things in my favor a little bit with the new motorcycle. I still feel like I'm a little behind the eight ball on that. And, uh, the guys are going to get to actually take the bikes back to the shop. It's been on an East Coast swing here. And, so get the bikes back to the shop, and hopefully uh, when we show up at Miller, I can start kind of getting things feeling like home a little bit more, and, and uh, maybe then I can start really making some inroads into Cam. Thanks for talking to us. Yes, sir. Okay, Speed City fans, I'm here with the man who had another good weekend. It was an up-and-down weekend, but Cameron Bobier, you came good. You had trouble in race one, but you came good for the team in race two and now still lead the championship. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's, I mean... That's if there's any way I can repay repay my team. It's uh, it's with a, a win after a crash, man. I I made those guys work pretty hard on a on a hot day like like today here at Barber in the humidity. But uh, yeah, man, I've been working hard at home and felt felt pretty good in the race. I mean, Josh and I were just sliding around the whole time. I don't think. Uh, I mean, I think we had speed on each other on different parts of the track, but not consistently throughout each lap, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was a fight, that's for sure. But, uh, I mean, like I said, it definitely feels good to get a win after throwing the bike down the road. Next up is Miller. How do you go there? Good. I, I like that track a lot. I'm, uh, I guess it'll be interesting, you know. Uh, we haven't been there in a few years, uh, or in a couple of years, at least the full circuit. We rode there last year with uh, that, that Triple Crown deal. Uh, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, you know. It's uh, somewhere close to home, somewhat close to home, at least within 10 hours. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Congratulations again on a good weekend. Well done. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay, we just heard there, interesting, Josh Hayes saying we're looking forward to going to Miller because we're going to actually take the bike back to the shop for the first time. And it sounds, listening to both of them, and maybe the mistakes you mentioned, uh, are due to the fact that they're still kind of dialing in this new R1. Yeah, and I mean, the new, new bike is always, as good as it is, there are still development things that you got to work out. You know, in that first year, I mean, every time I ever jumped on a new bike, you always had, there was always surprises, let's say. Um, again, if it be mechanical or clutch or some electronics uh, or, or just a simple bike setting, um, and they're obviously figuring all that. They're pushing the thing 10 tenths, and, uh, and they're figuring out where their, let's say, their wall is, uh, and you just got to advance that wall. All right. Um, what about uh, Yoshimura Suzuki? What about the championship? Oh, and, and, and whether they can actually get on pace. We saw top speed-wise Roger getting there, but it just seems that both he and Jake have moments in the races where you think this is it, and then suddenly yeah. by the end of the race they're not there. Yeah, yeah, bikes, you know, I mean, Hats off to, to Roger and Jake for riding as good as they are. To, to be completely honest, not a corporate man at all right now, just my simple opinion, that bike is harder to ride, okay. 100%. Um, and, you know, that, to race, I'm not talking about just ride down the street. I'm talking about to race at 10 tenths. That thing is going to drain you a lot more than, than the Yamaha, simply because of the way the, the nature of the power. Um, and like you said, they can, they can hold on for a little while, and then, uh, and then they seem to drop off the pace. And that bike would not be as friendly on tires as well. So there's a couple of disadvantages, and, and Suzuki are just going to have to step up and uh, come up with something. We've been looking towards the stars of the future in Moto America, and, and I'm enjoying doing the KTM. But I want to just uh, talk about Supersport for a second, because that's proving to be probably the most exciting championship. What J.D. Beach and what Garrett Gerloff and Josh Heron are doing. Uh, and there's a few others. Bobby Fong's now joined the, the throng. But... Um, uh, definitely very impressive again by J.D. Beach. He's proving to be the man on form. Yeah, he rode great this weekend. Uh, you know, and, uh, 
couple little moments here and there, but it, I mean, that's just what happens when you're pushing. Yeah, we had a conversation with him, and he goes, "Man, I'm from dirt track. Those moments, that's just normal." Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, Bobby Fong as well. It was great to see him up there all weekend. Um, you know, Garrett had a had a had a tough weekend. I just never really got the setting right. Even when I talked to him on Friday, he uh, he said he just wasn't real confident in the front. Um, and Josh, you know, Josh has uh, been at the. He's seen how fast those guys go in Moto2. He knows what it takes. Um, so it's good racing. I mean, as far as the, the race on the weekend that I really enjoy to watch, apart from the KTM Cup, is, is that super sport race. And in terms of other championships, obviously Joe Roberts doing a very good job in the Super Stock 600 championship. And I don't wonder how. He's only 17, but he's starting to look much more like a, a finished article than compared to some of the other youngsters. Yeah, and I mean, Joe's been over on the world scene with the... With the uh, KTM Red Bull rookies thing and you know it's all about understanding how hard you actually have to ride you know I mean uh, and this is what we talk about in the Superbike Championship there's two guys really fighting it out and if you can beat one then you're good uh, if you can't beat them big deal still on the podium and this is you know as far as racing this is why we need Honda we need Kawasaki yeah. we need Ducati we need all these guys to come back in because if you're going to sit there and lollygag around, there's five or six other guys waiting to pass your ass. So, it, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, I, we need a shake-up, if you ask me. Yeah, and actually that shake-up comes in the form, for me anyway, in the likes of Sheridan Marais. We've got an Aprilia out there now, and we've got a world-class rider from South Africa. And I think that's part of the plan, Wayne Rainey, in trying to attract uh, guys that, you know, that perhaps can shine and also give some benchmarks for these guys to look at. Yeah, Sheridan, he was really a great kid as well, and just really impressive this weekend. Obviously, a pro, he got a new, a new package, um, and he went out there and he was hauling the mail, going really good. And first time at the track, <clears throat> put it all together, and uh, yeah, very impressive. We need, we need more of that. Talk of the stock, because we didn't mention it. Uh, obviously, Jake Gagne still doing the business, still putting the results in, and even when he falls in qualifying, he's back up, repairing the bike, and on the, and on the scene. Yeah, you know, we've talked about this. One of the most impressive guys, I think, in that whole paddock for me is Jake Gagne. He simply puts his head down, and I think he has a little bit of that what you need, that fear of losing. I mean, how am I going to come back and explain to the guys, I just lost the race? So he didn't want to, and he wants to mix it up with the Superbike guys. So... He's um, very impressive. I think right now, as far as if we had any chance of sending somebody to Europe that you just knew was going to give their heart and everything, their soul, right now he's looking impressive. All right, we've seen the videos, we've seen the pictures, we've had some fun, but the KTM guys definitely still, I guess for you and me anyway, the ones we're enjoying most because it's, it's the kids that no one knows, and we're learning who they are, uh, and we, learned, we met some more this weekend. Um, anybody that stands out to you or particularly you think is, is pretty impressive? Yeah, I mean, you know, the guys at the top, um, yeah, there's such a mix, though, because you have kids that this is literally their third or fourth race that, like, they have no experience. Then you've got your McAllister and your Brandon Altmeyer and your Braden Norton and Schultz, and you got these young kids that have had lots of experience. So it's really quite a mix, and uh, it's, it's interesting to see the kids in the back, how fast they're going to be able to adapt um, but McAllister right now, I mean, he's won three of the four races. The kid's uh, he's fast. And, you know, it, he's also riding the 600 Superstock. So it's, uh, it's a good mix of kids, and it's interesting. They're, they're, uh, and they're going for it. Man, that's what's so much fun. I mean, they are just, it's like go-kart racing, you know, <laughs> and they're just beating each other up, but it's fun to watch. Well, we might want 
make sure we don't miss our flight. So I want to talk dirt track with you later, but uh, let's see how to get our flight first. Okay, well, we jumped on the plane, and we did make the plane, but the good news is, while we were on the plane, guess who else was on the plane? Another celebrity. Well, a friend of mine, anyway. Matthew Miles, and certainly somebody I can talk flat track to about, because you've been giving me a lot of the knowledge about what was going on just before the X Games, and obviously it's something that's uh, a passion of yours as well, and one you have a lot of knowledge on. Let me start by saying, first of all, what's the reaction from everybody in the media and who's been involved in, in, in flat track and dirt track racing to being involved in the X Games? Do you think it was a good move? I think the X Games is a great move, and it's, it, it follows on the on the heels of the, the success of the Super Prestigio in, uh, in January and December of, of 2014, especially the, 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 second, the second race in, in December, uh, in which Jared Meese finished second to... Uh, Mark Marquez. Uh, Brad Baker got hurt, obviously, but and Shane Texture were there, so there's there a lot of excitement about that, and those guys had a great time when they were, when they were there. And but, just to explain what Super Prestigio is for some people who don't know, that was an event held in Barcelona last year, uh, effectively in an indoor arena, but for dirt track, and it involved Mark Marquez and Tito Rabat, Jared Mees, and several other real big stars of the two-wheel world. So it, it was definitely a, a benchmark, wasn't it? It, it was, and it was, what's, what's interesting about that is it's basically all on 450s. 17-inch wheels, 17-inch tires, Michelin's, uh, Michelin rain tires. and But, but the parity... That, that's the thing that works. Uh, small arena, uh, quick lap times, uh, the speeds are relatively low. It's not like Phillip Island, you know, turn one at Phillip Island, uh, where everybody's going a billion. And you don't need to have a full factory bike. Marquez did, but his lap time, Brad Baker set the quickest lap time of the weekend. So, uh, and basically on a, on, a, on a stock 450. So that's the beauty of, of everybody running 450s is that you have the parity within the class and uh, it makes the competition very close. And the other exciting thing is that it was just announced this week uh, that there'll be a Super Prestigio also here in the United States at the end of the year. Uh, I believe right after the last round of the AMA National Championship in Las Vegas. So exciting news and, and already this is really, you know, I'm okay, I got involved with the X Games, but I'm starting to see a much higher profile now for flat track racing. There's a lot of momentum on flat track, and, and I think it's a, it's a perfect opportunity for uh, the, the two, road racing and, and, uh, and flat track, to, to work together uh, to grow the sport of motorcycling in general, sport of motorcycle racing. Uh, Supercross already has a, has a strong footprint, but I think this Las Vegas event could be, if it's perceived as a qualifier for Barcelona. That could be really interesting because you might see some more road racers uh, or people who are, are considered road racers like uh, a Nikki Hayden or a J.D. Beach or Hayden Gillum but have flat track backgrounds who could go over and, and represent the U.S. well uh, as a quote-unquote road racer uh, in, in, the, in the, the Super Prestigio uh, this year. It's interesting because also the, the correlation between flat track and, and, and Moto America, you know, J.D. Beach is leading the Super Sport Track uh, Championship. Obviously, the Haydens have come up uh, on, on, on the dirt. So did Jake Lewis. Obviously, Danny Eslick uh, is well known for it. Uh, but more and more now, uh, and I talked to Kel Colin about this, Colin Edwards, obviously, who's got his own mini 
uh, flat track and a lot of the guys train there like Jake Johnson for example who, who effectively was sponsored by the boot camp for, for the X Games but uh, that correlation between the two sports has always been there but now I think it's getting more profile and I think the biggest thing for me is, is to see someone like Troy Bayliss who was Colin Edwards' biggest uh, rival uh, actually taking on the actual AMA championship and it, and it just shows the validity and how tough it is because he ain't, he ain't beating everybody no, he's not. But and, and I think he knew he knew coming in just how difficult it would be. Uh, the expect, expectations are very high for a world champion to come in and and set the world on fire. But it's and, and the thing it's the same thing with road racing. It's flat track, you know, it, flat trackers make turning left look really easy, but it's really really difficult uh, to do what they're doing at the speeds they're doing. And you can see that at the X Games because the track was so incredibly rough. But somehow by the main event, the top guys they had it figured out. And, uh, and they were able to put in some, some really good lap times and a great show. Um, but what I would love to see is for Troy Bayless to come over here with a team, potentially an international effort, uh, and, and, uh, and expand the growth worldwide, continue to expand the, world, the growth worldwide of flat track, uh, because now is the time to do it. And I think road racing and Moto America can, can piggyback on that success and hopefully coordinate eventually in, in the future with, with their schedules, coordinate the, the events. That if you've got a race, uh, Laguna Seca, for example, and then you've got uh, a flat track event in Salinas, you know, so, so just like we had with the Indy Mile and the MotoGP um, in, the, in the past year. So I think that that's a, that's a great opportunity for spectators to see both disciplines, but also to be able to grow interest in, in, on a worldwide level. For, uh, for the sport of, sport of motorcycle racing. Yeah, and I also think, finally, I think the other correlation I'd like to make, is, which absolutely fits in, is I spent about 10, 15 years following Speedway, international Speedway, in both Europe and, and worldwide. And the likes of Billy Hamill and, and Greg Hancock are absolute superheroes in places like Poland and England, where they do Speedway every night. Now, Speedway is a very similar form of dirt track. It's slightly different, two different engines, 500 cc's, but no brakes at all. Um, but these guys could also be uh, considered maybe for this Vegas event, and I'm sure they're, they're thinking about it. <laughs> well, in fact, Greg, when he found out that... Uh about the Las Vegas event, he was really excited that that they might, you know, as a as a press release said, they might consider uh, enduro riders or flat track or, or I mean uh, or speedway riders, you know, uh, and he, that lit him up uh, <laughs> because I'm sure he would like to participate. And I mean, you know, he's a he's a great all round motorcycle rider, and it would be great to have his presence in an event like that. It would great be great to have him at Barcelona as well. So um, if it fits into his schedule, be, be, he'd be a great addition. Well, listen, Matthew, we've both got to catch our flights again. I'll see you at Miller. Looking forward to the next round of Moto America. Thanks very much. See you at Miller. AF1 Racing of Austin, Texas. The best Italian motorcycles and scooters. AF1RacingAustin.com.